Welcome to the Covenant Experience Podcast. At Covenant, we are growing passionate followers of Jesus Christ who serve all people. If you live in the tri-state area, we welcome you to join us on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. You can find more information about us online at covenantexperience.com or call us at 304-876-2212 with any questions. And now today's message. Good morning. Oh, come on. Really? Good morning. Hi, now you're awake. Glad to be with you. My name is Pastor Chris. I'm the... Wait, I get to say this for the first time in front of you. I'm the student pastor here at Covenant Church. It's a pleasure to be with y'all. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with y'all. Please pray for me. Pray for our family. there's a lot of stress normally in my life, just with life in general, but I've just decided to add a lot more, but I'm, I'm pleased to be in that position. Uh, pray for the sale of my business. There has been inquiries and there is opportunities. Hopefully God will bring that to resolution quickly so that I can embark on this full time. Um, it is, uh, it's great and I'm excited. I love the students here. These kids, these guys and girls are 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 awesome, and it's an opportunity to invest in them and to speak into their lives and to help them grow in their passion, their faith for Christ, and I am excited to do that. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this this church. We've been here six years, and it's been a pleasure. Uh, We've grown as a family, um, and we are continuing to see God do great things through covenant, and we are glad for that. This morning we're in Joshua chapter 24. I hope this is a familiar passage to many of you. It may not be, it may be, I don't know. The fact of the matter is in our life we have many choices, right? You had a choice this morning. When that alarm went off this morning, you had a choice to get out of bed and get ready for church. Some of you, it wasn't a choice. It was just you did it because you've done it all your lives and it's become habit. You just get up and you come to church on Sunday morning. That's what you do. Some of you, it was like, oh, I really want to sleep in. And you made a choice to come. Well, we all have choices. Our life is full of choices. And we are given variety of opportunities to make choices. From the food we eat, we can choose multiple different restaurants, to where we go to vacation, to what we want to do with our lives, go to college. There's so many choices in life, isn't it? Have you ever gotten to the point where you're just like, "I, I just don't want to decide anything anymore? I'm so over decisions. Years ago, I had this idea, you know, because usually when you say, hey, where do y'all want to go eat tonight? What's the common retort? I don't care. I wanted to open a restaurant called I Don't Care. <laughs> so when you said, hey, I don't care, we, yeah, okay, let's go. Scott, there you go. You're the chef. Come on. There's your, there's your idea for the day. But we are filled with choices. And every day we have to make a choice about different things in our lives, what we're going to do, how we're going to react to situations, what we're going to do in certain situations. But there's been great choices that you've made, big decisions you've had to make, right, in your life also. You know, some of you decided where you're going to college and that impacted your trajectory for the rest of your life. Some of you decided what trade you were going to go in, what field of study you were going in, what 
what you were going to do with your life. You graduated high school and you were like, hey, I'm going this direction. I'm going to become a mechanic. I'm going to become whatever it is. And that, that set forth a pattern and a path for your life for the future. And you made a big choice. Some of us made a big choice when we fell in love. We asked that woman to marry us and to be a part of our lives forever. And that was a big choice, wasn't it? Because that set another trajectory of your life of things that were going to happen and chain reaction of things that were going to happen. I'm, I, I, all of us have gone through that, right? Not all of us. Some of us have. But we all have choices. We all make big choices. Well, we come to the end of the book of Joshua in 24. This is the end of the book. Joshua is getting ready to pass on. He, he had led the people of Israel into the promised land like God had told him. He had been a leader for Moses and Moses didn't get to go into the promised land, but Joshua did, and he led the people of Israel. And, and there's some interesting things, and we come to the end of the book, but we've got to kind of go back to the beginning of the book, really, to understand some things, because God gave some instructions to the people of Israel, gave specific instructions to Joshua in the beginning of the book, in Joshua chapter 1, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them. To the people of Israel, every place that, every place that the uh, sole of your foot will tread um, upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with, was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. But you shall uh, do not be turned from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Those are the instructions of the people of Israel as they're getting ready to enter the promised land. Joshua's coming to the end of that time, and he sees some things in the life of the people, some things going on that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. He's kind of worried about what's going on and how the future's going to unfold for them as, the, as he's getting ready to end his leadership of the people of Israel. And he comes to chapter 24, and he's got some instructions for the people of Israel, some very important instructions. In the first part of chapter 24, he's kind of reminding them what God had done for them in bringing them out of Egypt and, and leading them and guiding them through the desert and all the things that God had done for them to help them in the promised land. They had not conquered all the promised land that God had, had promised them yet. They weren't finished with that task. In fact, they wouldn't finish that task completely. For some reason, they kind of got tired of it and were just like ready, ready to give up. And Joshua comes to chapter 24 and he's got some things he needs to say to the people to help them, encourage them to step forward and continue on. How many of you get weary? Get tired? 
you go through life and things are going great and things are going maybe going good and you're just you're working really hard and you're going decisions are being made and things are and things start weighing in on you and get stressed and you get your life kind of gets off kilter and you're just kind of going through the motions and you just kind of let things slide you give up on things you might take a break from things and sometimes that includes taking a break from serving god and living for god right well guess what Joshua's got some instructions for you this morning. Joshua first has a challenge for you. The first thing he tells the people of Israel is to fear the Lord. How many of y'all have an irrational fear? Come on. Everybody's got an irrational fear. Whether you know it or not, I've discovered by first an irrational fear of mine at 17 years old. I was driving in Plano, Texas in my 1979 Toyota Celica GT. I was cruising down the road. I had been Christmas shopping in Plano. Plano was a little south of where I grew up. It was where the mall was. And so I was down at the mall, and I was cruising along this three-lane road. I was in the center lane. This bus was in the right lane. He was turning right to go into the mall, and the guy sitting at the stop sign at the mall decided he was going to pull out. He pulled out, crossed in front of that bus, and all of a sudden he saw me hit his door, T-bone him really hard. Boom! kind of you know, shook me up a little bit. Car was running fine. I got out, looked at him. Hey, you okay? He was kind of limping around. We looked at the cars and then a police officer came on the scene. He told us to move the cars over to the side of the road. I gave the police officer my insurance and my license like I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm good. Sitting on the hood of my car waiting. And then all of a sudden the police officer asked the other, asked me first, you okay? You feel like you need an ambulance? I was like, no, I'm good. He asked the other guy, you think you need an ambulance? He said, yeah, I hurt my knee. I think I might need an ambulance. And at that point in time, I knew I was in trouble because I was going to take a little ride in an ambulance because see, at 17 years old in the state of Texas, you're considered a minor. And if there's an adult with you and present to account for you, you're going to go to the hospital in the back of an ambulance. My dad was a fireman. I kind of knew this. So I'm sitting on the hood of the car. The paramedic comes over to me, says, how are you feeling? I said, I'm good. Neck, yeah, my neck hurts a little bit, but you know, it's a wreck, so it's going to hurt. I'm good. He says, how old are you? I didn't answer him. He said, again, how old are you? I said, I don't know. He says, what do you mean you don't know? I said, you're going to have to ask the police officer. He's got my license. I did not want to go in the back of that ambulance. So I'm sitting there and waiting and waiting. The paramedic comes over and goes, you're 17, aren't you? And I said, yeah, why? Well, I got to put you in the back of the ambulance. I got to take you to the hospital and make sure you're okay because you don't have a parent here, a guardian to say to clear you to allow us to let you go. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I was hoping to get away with it. I didn't. So I'm thinking in the back of my head, okay, I'll take a ride in the ambulance. I'll get in, I'll sit down, and I'll just ride in the back of the ambulance to the hospital. I think, no big deal. I'm not going to, you know, I'm good. I'm just going to sit down in the back. I'm not hurt really bad. I'm good. No. The paramedic looks over, yells over to his buddy and says, hey, I need a backboard, a neck brace, and a gurney over here right now. And I realize at that point I have an irrational fear. I hate to be strapped down. I hate that four foot, five foot, six foot window of seeing the ceiling and not knowing what's going on around me. They put me in the neck brace, and I couldn't move my neck. They put me, they strapped me to the backboard, and they put me down, and I'm like, uh-uh, no. 
I had a fear that struck in me. I got nervous. I was, had anxiety. I don't have many fears. That's one of them. I hate it. How many of y'all have a fear like that? Yeah? I hate it. I hate not being, it's kind of, I, I guess I'm a control freak. My wife is going, <laughs> no. Well, that's not the type of fear that Joshua is talking about here in this passage. He's not talking about an irrational fear that you need to have. He's not talking about a fear that you need to have that thinks you're going to be constrained, you're going to be confined, or something's going to cause you great anxiety. He is talking about a different kind of fear. He's talking about fearing the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is, well, Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, doesn't it? That's where wisdom begins. But what is the fear of the Lord? We can talk about fear in a lot of different ways. We can talk about, you know, there's actually um, 10 different nouns in the Hebrew and eight different verbs that are used for fear. In the New Testament, there's one noun, one verb that had the same root word, and the root word is phobia. Phobos, actually, phobos, where we get our word phobia from. When the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord or the fear of God, it's not dread and terror that is being related. It is reverence. It is awe. It is worship. It's the idea of respect because of who God is and what he has done. The fear of the Lord should not scare us to death, but should invite us to obedience and service. You ever had great respect for somebody you worked for? Somebody, you're, maybe it's a father, maybe it's a mother, maybe it's a boss, you had such great respect for that you would go and do anything for that person? That's what this is talking about when it talks about the fear of the Lord. Paul tells us to work out our faith with fear and trembling. The church in the New Testament feared the Lord and grew. When we fear the Lord, we love the things that God loves. We hate the things that God hates. So this love, we love his word. We love other people. We love truth. We love to protect the innocent. And there are many more things that we can love. In Proverbs 6, we are told that this list of, of things that God hates if we love the things that God loves, then if we fear the Lord, we're also going to hate the things that God hates. Like sin is the beginning of that. But there's also this list of pride, lying, murder, evil plots, those who love evil, false witness, and troublemakers are just a few. So fear is the idea of reverence and respect. Reverence and respect so much so that we were willing to do anything for that person. There are benefits to fear in the Lord. The first benefit that we get is it enables us to praise God. Psalm 22, 23 says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. The other benefit is it enables us to enjoy his benefits and blessings. Psalm 34, 9 says, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Sounds like a good thing to do is to fear the Lord, right? It also enables us to rest in peace and in his mercy. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in the triumph of his adversaries. 
What does the fear of the Lord produce in you? Most people that I come in contact with seem like it's, they're fearful of God because of what he's going to do to them. Let's rephrase that to, for what it really is. We should fear the Lord because of what God is going to do for us. We should not fear the Lord because he might uh, strike us, inflict us, hurt us. No, we should fear the Lord because he is a great help in a time of need. Because he's merciful and gracious and he cares for us and he wants us to fear him because of who he is and what he can do for us. The next thing that Joshua tells the people of Israel, serve him in sincerity and truth. When we talk about sincerity, we talk about the being free from deceit, hypocrisy, or pretense. You don't serve God because you want to make yourself look better. You also cannot serve God half-heartedly. You ever thought about that idea? I'm going to serve God half-heartedly? That would, um, that would not, you can't really serve God half-heartedly because one thing is God doesn't serve you half-heartedly. We just got through celebrating Easter. Easter is the full heart of God put on display in, the son, in His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave. God didn't serve you half-heartedly. Why are you going to serve Him half-heartedly? should be so. God's holy character demands devotion and service. To serve God half-heartedly is put something or someone else in front of God. And that violates a commandment, I'm pretty sure. Right? No other gods before you. You serve God, God half-heartedly, you're putting something else in place of God in your life. We should be sincere. We should also put, Paul, or Joshua tells us, we should put away the other gods. Just like stores, we get a variety of choices. In this time in, in Israel, where Israel is, there's a variety of gods. There's a variety of other things to worship. There's a variety of idols because of the people that lived there, the people that lived on the other side of the river, because of people in Egypt and when they were in Egypt. And in that time, Israel had taken on some of those things some of those idols that they worship, some of those other gods, and they kind of synchronize it together with their beliefs and, and who God was. And here in Joshua 24, he's telling them, don't do that. He tells them to put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Now, how crazy is that? Here you have, sir, have a God who has parted the Red Sea, allowed you to walk on dry ground, allows you to go across the Jordan to conquer a land and has helped you every step of the way. And for some reason, you still got idols that you're going to worship instead of him. You have gods that you're going to worship instead of him. They, it could have been serpents, it could have been snakes, it could have been even vegetables were, were worshipped in this time. Joshua was reminding them about their ancestors had done in worshipping the gods of Egypt and gods of the Amorites. It seems logical to serve a different God than the one who had, it seems illogical to serve a different God than the God who had taken them from the, into the promised land. But Joshua understood human nature. When there is a goal in mind and people are focused on that goal, they will 
set in and focus in and work hard for that goal. And once they achieve that goal, sometimes they just take a deep breath and go, <sighs> and they allow things to creep into their lives that shouldn't creep into their lives. They get complacent. And they give up some of the things that they were striving so hard to do when they had that focus on that goal. And he knew that this was a situation in the people of Israel because they had taken on some of the things of their fathers. They had taken on some of those gods that, had been, that their ancestors had taken on and they were allowing those to creep into their lives. <coughs> in fact, in Judges chapter 2, we're actually told that the People of Israel, after, after Joshua gives them this instruction, the people of Israel go, in, go into what he was fearful of. He says, And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. They had forgotten. Joshua gives them a choice. He says, If it's seen as evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, okay. But if not, let me give you a definition of an idol, though, real quick. Because you're probably thinking, yeah, I don't have a piece of wood in my pocket that I worship. I don't have a, a statue on my mantle that I worship. I don't have something like that, that that Josh was talking about here. But let's define what an idol is. It's something or someone that is more important to you than God. It's a pretty simple definition. You may not be tempted by, you know, a Buddha up on your mantle. You may not be tempted by an idol of a statue of something else up on your mantle to worship. But I'm going to tell you something else. We're tempted by a lot of other things. Many of your idols pile into 100,000-seat stadiums to watch a bunch of men crash into each other. Or a bunch of men go around an oval in a car really fast. Many of you, your idols may not be sports. Many of you may be, you like to sit down in front of a computer and game a little too much and a little too long. Maybe it's something else that's getting in the way of your time with God. Let me tell you this. Those things aren't bad. I like football just as much as anybody. I like watching baseball. If, if you follow me on you know, Facebook or Instagram right now, my boys are playing baseball. I love baseball. I love watching my boys play. I love watching baseball games. But there comes a point in time where you got to step back and go, is it to consume me too much of my time and do I need to spend my time serving God more? Has it become an idol? There's nothing wrong with watching something like that. There's nothing wrong for cheering your own team. But if you, you spend more time on your team's message board than you do in the Word of God, there is a problem there. If you do spend more time watching YouTube of how to play a game instead of God's Word, there's a problem there. There's a priority situation that needs to be taken care of, and it's become an idol. Guess what? I have that problem, too. I fall into that trap as well. And I have to check myself all the time. Joshua gives a fourth challenge. He says, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Wait a second. Joshua gave him a choice? Why did there have to be a choice? Wasn't the choice obvious? 
Jesus put it this way. He told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When he says deny himself, the idea there is deny himself daily. See, this isn't a choice that you make one time, okay? This is a choice you have to make every day. This isn't a choice you just go up one day and you're like, yes, I'm going to serve the Lord. Great, good, I'm good. 15, when I was 15 years old, I, 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 I made a decision. I was going to follow into ministry and go into ministry at some point in time in my life, and I was going to go do the things that I need to do to go into ministry. So I went to college to do ministry, and that was made when I was 15 years old. But you know what? Every day of my life, I have to make that decision. I am going to serve the Lord today. I'm going to put away the things that I know are going to be detrimental to my relationship with God, and I'm going to put forward the things that are enhancing my relationship with God. I'm going to serve Him every day. It's not a choice you make one time and you're done. It's a choice you make every morning you get up and you get out of bed. My mom used to have a saying. You have two ways to look at your day when you get out of bed. Oh, Lord, it's morning, or good morning, Lord. That's kind of the same thing. You got to make a decision. What's your, what's your day going to look like? How are you going to serve God today? What are you going to do for God today? You're choosing today whom you will save. Why do we have to make a choice? First of all, it's a necessary choice to choose because not to choose is to choose. If you want to think about it, your mind is already set. If you've already divided your mind and you're not going to choose to serve the Lord, you've already made a choice if you, without thinking about it. You're like the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3 where it says, I know your works, you are neither hot, cold nor hot, with that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. God doesn't like it, lukewarm. The interesting thing about the church at Laodicea, Laodicea actually got its water from an aqueduct. And it traveled over many miles to get to the city. It was not, in certain cities, there was a cold spring that was there, and they could get water that was cold, or there was a hot spring that was there, and they had to let the water cool off. In Laodicea, they flowed through this aqueduct from a spring many miles away, and by the time it got into the city, it was lukewarm. The church at Laodicea, when Paul tells them, you're lukewarm, I wish you were hot or cold, they understood what it meant to be lukewarm because all their water was lukewarm. Are you lukewarm? Are you choosing to just be there, to exist? I'll come to church when I want to come. I'll serve God when I want to serve him. I'll do things when I want to do it. It's in my time, in my schedule, when I can put it in, when I can fit it around my kids' sports and when I can fit it around this event in my life or when I can fit it around my nap that I really need to take. See, today we want to take a little bit of Christianity and put it together with all the other stuff in our lives to make us feel good about ourselves and make us say, okay, I'm good. God doesn't want that, people. God wants your whole heart. That's exactly what the people of Israel had done. They had put in a little bit of God. They had put in a little bit of this idol over here, a little bit of that Egyptian idol over here, and they had synchronized them all together to make up their religion, to make them feel good about themselves. We can't do that. We must decide who we are going to serve. Sometimes it's there's things that we allow to get in our way, and we have to, to be recognize those things. We have to be able to recognize those things in our lives so that we can better serve Him. 
So I get to do a shameless plug this morning. That's right. This is an advertisement for service. This church is growing. These people are here coming in. We have visitors all the time. We have things that are going on in the life of this church. And I'm going to shameless plug some areas that we have needs. We have needs throughout this church at all times for people to step up to the plate and say, you know what? I'm going to serve the kingdom of God by serving in this ministry in covenant so that our church is better equipped to advance the kingdom of God in our area and across the globe. Now, I, y'all clap for me to be the student, that I'm the student pastor just a few minutes ago. Guess what? Some of y'all need to search your hearts and say, you know what, Chris needs help in student ministry. I need small group leaders. I need guy small group leaders. I need some men in this church to step up and say, I may not know everything and I may not understand everything, but I'm going to help young men in their walk with God. It's really easy. I teach a lesson on Wednesday nights. I will give you questions. You're not be alone. We will put you with other men in the room so that they can help you along the way. We need females to do the same thing. Hey, ladies, there's some young ladies in this church that need some nurture, some encouragement in their walk with the Lord because one day they're going to walk out of this church and go to college and they're going to be inundated with stuff. We need you to help them understand what it means to serve the Lord so that when they're inundated with this stuff, their heart is ready to handle it. Their mind is ready to handle it. We need you. Chloe and Christine and our children's ministry would love to have you. Sunday morning, 9 o'clock. You're here at 9 o'clock service. Guess what? Stay for the 11 o'clock. Go back there with Chloe and Christine and hang out with some young kids and let them hang on you. Let them rub their snot noses on you. I know that's not COVID friendly. But we need people that are hands-on, that are willing to say to these kids, we love you and I love you and I want to see you to grow up in your walk with Christ. Some of you can sing. Some of you can play an instrument. Guess what? Ken can use you. We have a whole group. If y'all haven't seen the changes that are going around in Covenant here, the whole tech booth up there is, is changing all the time. We have multiple cameras. There's going to be changes coming more. But it, it's it, to help us be better equipped to serve you and to serve other people and to reach out to the community at large. Some of you have the ability to push a button and advance a slide. Right? Can you push a button? Can you read words and push a button? You can be a part of the tech team today. And there's a group of guys that up there do a great job, and we're excited to have them up there. But I want to tell you something. If there's not many of them, they get tired, and it gets weary, and, and they're always up there, and they're always here early, and they're always here late, and they're always working on stuff. We could use you. I could tell you, I guess I'm not the only one. I, that's not the only things that are going on in the life of the church where you can serve. We have ministries that are going, outreach ministries that are going to Apple Tree, apartment complex all the time, food distribution all the time, things that are opportunities. We have, we have a food pantry here at the church that could use help. We have ways you can serve. If you can open a door for somebody, you can serve in this church. Okay? If you can put a smile on your face and say, hello, good morning, you can serve in this church. All right, end of shameless plug. You can serve. The final thing that Joshua tells them, it's a personal choice. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's your choice. 
I can't make that choice for you. I can implore you. I can beg you. I can plead with you. I can ask until I'm red in the face. And I will do it. But you got to make the choice. One of the things that hasn't changed in 30 years, I've been in the ministry for 33 years in some way. At 19 years old, I took my first youth ministry position. 32 years, sorry, 32 years. This May, First Baptist Church, Desark, Arkansas. One of my youth from that church is the worship leader at that church right now. It's kind of cool to watch kids that were in youth groups 30 years ago have kids, grow up, and they're leading in ministries in their church. But I knew as a youth pastor, I know as a youth student pastor here, I knew 30 years ago when I started in student ministry as at the age of 19, there's going to come a point in time in everybody's life when their faith becomes their faith and it's no longer the faith of their parents. It's no longer faith of somebody else. It's theirs. They own it. They grab a hold of it and they take hold of it and they run with it with all their gusto and all their might and they serve God. There comes a point in time in everybody's life in, in, as they, if they've grown up in church, that's the truth. And I've run into people that think, hey, I'm good. I had a lady one time in my first pastorate. I, I got to know this restaurant, the owners of this restaurant I'd, go, I'd frequent. And we were talking about the Lord and talking about church. And she looked at me and says, I'm okay. My, bro, uh, my uncle is a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was like, I'm like, what's that got to do with the prostitute in China? So what if your, your brother or your uncle is a pastor in Oklahoma? What about you? What's your decision? What have you decided about serving God and living for God? What have you decided? It's your choice. It's a personal choice. It can't be decided before, by anybody else. There's an old saying, every tub must rest on its own bottom. It's a choice that you have to make. Nobody else can make it for you. It's also an urgent choice. Yet you do not know that what tomorrow will bring is what James tells us. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're here not that long. You're thinking, oh, I'm good. I'm in good health. I had two people I knew, didn't know, but knew people that knew them. Same age as me, passed away in the past couple weeks. 51 years old. Didn't know. Was there and gone. You never know when your time here on earth will end. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know, you've, you hear that maybe, one day I'll serve the Lord, one day I'll put, get right with God, one day, one... You don't know when that day is. Don't let that day go by because today is the day. So it's a necessary choice. It's also a logical choice. What I mean by logical? There's overwhelming evidence of what God has done and continues to do. It's an overwhelming evidence in the book of Joshua of what God had done for the people of Israel that, that Joshua was put, pointing them back to and saying to them, hey, look here what God's done. He brought you out of Egypt. He fed you. He took care of you for 40 years in the desert. He took care of you. Even though you were, your, your forefathers were not 
living the way they should and made the bad decisions. He took care of you. He took care of you when we came into this promised land and he gave us all this stuff that we didn't build. He took care of us. He's given them the logical reasoning behind the idea of choosing today whom you will serve. There's many testimonies and many stories. You might have one of those testimonies. You might have one of those stories where you look back and you go on your life and you can look back and go, wow, God helped me here. God helped me here. Look what God did here. You can look back over your life and you can, there, it's logical. The reason why you're going to serve the Lord is because he's been faithful to you. It's a logical choice. Paul put it this way to the church at Rome. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because of God's great mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying, give yourself everything you are to worship him. Because of God's mercies. I know the excuses. I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the ability. I don't have the talent. I don't have the knowledge. Let's talk about time real quick. Since my youth, I've been told you have time for what's important in your life. What's important? If serving the Lord is going to be important in your life, you'll find time to do it. Okay? You'll find time to do those things. You may be thinking, well, Chris, man, I, I don't have the knowledge. I don't, have, I don't know what, where, where I need to serve, where I can serve. Here, guess what? May 22nd, put it on your calendars. It's a Sunday. We have a class called Discover Ministry. It's an incredible class. It looks at your personality. It looks at your experience. It looks at your spiritual gifts. It looks at your heart, and it says, examine those things and find those areas where God has equipped you to serve him. Indicate on your blue card if you want to do that. Be a part of that class. If you want to serve the Lord and you're like, I don't know where to start, start there. That'll give you an insight into yourself of who you are and how God's created you and how God shaped you and formed you to make you able to be able to serve him. And we'll give you the tools to do that, and then you'll be able to look at yourself and go, okay, God's equipped me here. God's given me this experience in my life that I've done that will translate to this and serving God here. All the things that you need to do, be able to serve him. Some of you have never made a decision for Christ at all. Some of you are just like, you know what? I don't know what it means. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never followed Christ as my Lord and Savior. I Guess what? Today's decision time for you. Today's decision time for you to serve the Lord, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and it's time for you to make that decision for him. Because he decided for you over 2,000 years ago on the cross that he was going to send his son to die on that cross for your sins and raise him from the grave so that you have, may have a relationship with God and a new life that is different and better. And you need to make that decision. Some of you have done that in the past. 
but your faith in Christ has kind of floundered. Your faith in Christ has kind of gotten dull. Your faith in Christ has kind of been put on the shelf, and it's time for you to step up and say, you know what, today I am choosing to serve God from now on. Choosing today. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I hope that's your declaration this morning. I hope that's your desire. We're going to have an opportunity for you to respond. We're going to have elders sitting, standing, and they can stand at the crosses. I'll be standing off to the side of the front with my mic off. If you need to make a decision today for Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you want to make a decision that, hey, I have Jesus in my life, it's time for me to serve, whatever it is, people will be waiting for you to pray with you. People will be waiting for you to talk with you, wherever you need to put your faith. I'm going to pray, and our band's going to come up as I'm praying, and we're going to sing. As we sing, if you need to come this morning, we invite you to come. Father God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. The celebration that we have of his death, burial, and resurrection, the opportunity we have to serve you through him, the new life you've called us to live, and help us to live it for you. Help us to choose daily to serve you, to honor you with our minds, to honor you with our hearts, to honor you with our actions. Because ultimately that is what blesses us and brings glory to you. Strengthen us, God, in your son's name. Amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Joel here, and I am so glad you stopped by. I pray this podcast helps you in your walk with God. And if you're listening with questions about faith of any sort, God is not afraid of those questions, and neither are we. Join us any Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. If you're new to our area and looking for a church home, I hope we'll see you soon and have the opportunity to welcome you properly and personally through our doors. And if you live in the tri-state area, but you're already a part of one of the other phenomenal church families here, I pray this podcast has been a great addition to the primary teaching you already received from your local pastor and that you've been better equipped to serve your own church family. So let's all go make Jesus famous this week. Share his love every chance you get until we meet again. And God bless you.